Pete here from the Lasser Cast, and it is time for another entry in my top 10 horror books of 2022 list. This time around, we are talking about Clickers Never Die, which is a reboot of the beloved Clickers series that so many horror writers and horror fans love. I got a chance to interview Stephen Kozanuski, who co-wrote the book with Wiley Young. If you want to see an interview with me and Wiley Young, I actually spoke with him and his wife Emily a couple of months back for their book, Dust Bowl Children. Make sure you check that out on our channel too. So sit back and relax and enjoy this interview where I get to ask Stephen Kozanuski all about Clickers Never Die. Stephen, welcome to the Lassercast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. I have uh, actually been a fan of Stevens for a while. Um, when I first got into horror, like really hardcore, um, I saw him on a panel at a uh, virtual comic book convention during COVID, not comic book convention, horror convention. And uh, since then, I have read uh, Hematophages and I've also read Clickers Never Die. And so we're going to talk about both books today. When I was looking up your bio, it said that you're the two-time winner for the World Horror Gross Out Contest. Yes. And I was wondering, like, how does that, a person win that award? So what happened was in 2016, I went to World Horror, the World Horror Convention in um, Provo, Utah. And uh, it was sparsely attended because it was in Provo, Utah. Um, but I got to meet Jack Ketchum there. Um, I think, uh, oh, I got to meet Kevin J. Anderson there. Um, there were a couple of big heavy hitters. It was, it was a very exciting um, time. And I was young, you know, young gun at this point. And uh, they were having what had been a tradition, which was the World Horror Gross Out Contest. And uh, the way it works is you write a five minute story. And then it's sort of like the gong show, which your, your younger viewers are now Googling what the hell the gong show is. <laughs> Um, but hopefully you and I remember in, in our age, um, they give you three minutes and then they either gong you off or let you go and finish the story. Um, so I worked on that. The first one, that 2016 one, I like slavishly for my, I was like perfecting. I'm like, and I, I'm kind of, uh, you said this, you've seen me uh, do a Corona con, that sort of thing. I'm, I'm a pretty good performer, which a lot of authors are not. Um, I've, I've been a public speaker, you know, for ages and, uh, I really blew them away. And, uh, I was shocked when they handed me the world horror, uh, I won the world horror gross out contest. It's, it's, it's a silly thing. It's like they get judges and, and then it's like, how is his haircut? How is his delivery? You know, it's a very silly, uh, thing, but it's for fun. And yeah. then world horror shut down and the gross out contest moved to killer con. Oh, okay. And then same thing in 2018, uh, I went and I won. And then I realized after that point, uh, you're supposed to retire after you've done three. Oh, and okay. I kept doing it. I kept doing it. I kept doing it. And I kept losing. And I was like, oh, I'm not the young gun anymore. Like when I won the first two times, now I'm the old guy and nobody wants to vote for me. And, and you know, so I feel like I'll be doing this for the rest of my life now. <laughs> Is KillerCon in Texas? Is it in Austin, Texas? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. And and then when does that happen? Like, what time of year? Uh, oh, August. The best time to... Yeah, time. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To burn your fucking balls off. Yeah, so, like, uh, are you going to come to this year's con? 
yeah, yeah, probably, I, I probably will, um, because there used to be kind of a conflict with Scares That Cares, but now Scares That Cares only has an event in April, oh, okay. so I should be free to do August, I guess it'll just depend on, again, whether I want to get on a flying death tube or not, but. Yeah, 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 and yeah, and like you said, like, oh man, August in Austin is horrible, I, I live in Cedar Park, which is a suburb of Austin, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I'll tell you if I can yeah. plug something. Please. Uh, yeah. If if all of your viewers go and vote for me, uh, nominate me for a Splatterpunk award, and I am nominated for a Splatterpunk award this year, that'll make me much more likely to go to KillerCon. Yeah. So if you do actually, if you're listening to this and it's uh, still 2022, send an email to the Splatterpunk committee and recommend Clickers Never Die. Um, and if I get nominated for something like that, I'll, I'll be much more likely to come down your way awesome okay yeah that'd be cool i, I would definitely go if you're gonna be at killer con so i'll go to it awesome yeah so you mentioned kevin j anderson before mm. and it's funny because one of my questions i wrote was um how your first book that your first novel right is uh brain eater jones right yeah and so kevin j anderson has this series it's called uh dan shambles zombie yes. pi yes it is so like do you have to go sue kevin j anderson <laughs> did you already research this did, did you know the answer to this question i don't know the answer to this question no no oh okay yeah, yeah, yeah. um well okay that's a funny story uh yeah. so i wrote brain eater jones in 2009 i did not get it published until 2013 and i think the first dan shamble came out in maybe 2011 Oh, okay i was not aware of it before it came out yeah. and when you're a little baby author and this is one of the things i think i one of the things i think i talk about you know like you mentioned before I, I like to give advice and that kind of thing and there's stupid shit that people get are we allowed to swear please oh, okay. yeah um there's stupid shit that young authors get obsessed with uh, you know to be fair there's other stupid shit that old authors get obsessed with but they're very different things yeah and if you're obsessed with somebody stealing your idea, that's how I know you're a, a brand new neophyte. You don't know shit because you know what, dude, no one is stealing your idea. Honest to God. Right. Like nobody was going, sitting there going, oh yeah, I got to take the, yeah, the, the undead detective. No, that nobody ever put those two things together. Obviously, you know, right. <laughs> two people on different sides of the world did. So I was all hepped up. I was like, that motherfucker. I wrote this in 2009. He didn't get it out till 2011. I'm the real original. I was so angry. Um, and then, you know, I thought about it. And maybe I matured a little bit by the time I went to World Horror. And uh, I was like, you know what I should do? I should go introduce myself to KJA. Say I admire his work. I've been reading him since high school. And... Um, Hey man, here's a copy of Brain Eater Jones. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's very much like your series. And I just, uh, you know, wanted to be kind of a courteous guy. Yeah. And uh, I flew out there to Provo. I did the thing. I was like seething a little bit inside because I was like, oh, he's, you know, I hate him. He stole my idea. I, and I handed him the book and he was like, I have heard of this. <laughs> and I was like, really? And he's like, and you know why? And he's like, because I had somebody accuse me of stealing their idea. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so Kevin J. Anderson is also a publisher. 
Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. when you're a publisher, you get a lot of um, what they call slush. Like right. people say, hey, do you want to publish this? Do you want to publish this? And he said, somebody sent to my publishing company an idea about a skeleton detective. Now, I don't personally read the slush. So at some point, somebody in KJ Anderson's uh, you know, publishing company rejected this idea for skeleton detective. Then Dan Shamble came out. Then that guy got really pissy and went on a crusade and said, Kevin J. Anderson stole my idea. <laughs> and he said, seeing Brain Eater Jones and seeing you not be an ass about it made me feel so much better because I said, look, people can have the same idea at similar times and right. not all be dicks to each other about it. So I was like, I'm so glad I had that conversation. Um, I'm, I, I'm a little ashamed. Like, I'm not going to lie in front and be like, oh, yeah, I knew... I knew better the whole time. I, I right. was I was a young and petty little person, but right. I'm so glad I had that interaction because I learned about that. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. He seems like he'd be a cool guy. And Kevin J. Anderson also does seminars where he gives writing advice to yes. aspiring writers as well. And I, I've I've watched one of them too. It's pretty helpful. Um, people who might not know him, he uh, writes a whole bunch of science fiction books, but he also has written like Dune prequels and stuff with. Frank Herbert's son, uh, Brian Herbert. Um, I figured that that could be a good transition into the first book of yours that I read, uh, The Hematophages. And the thing about The Hematophages that was very appealing to me when I was first getting into reading horror literature is that it's science fiction, you know? And um, what I was worried about before I read it was, is it going to be like, basically horror but you just kind of sprinkle sci-fi trappings on it to make it sci-fi but I, I felt like it was the exact opposite i thought it was there was really great world building in it okay and and so what i was going to say to you my first question for hematophages is um with that world building you know there's some really great aspects to it i don't want to spoil the book because i want people to read it but like one part that was very intriguing to me was that like the ship itself it's like a flying office in space. And it's yes. you took that corporate culture from like alien and just like times it by a hundred, you know? And, um, you know, besides that, there's also an all female crew and um, all the people have essentially like become like, you say Brazilian in the book, like where everyone is one skin tone. And yeah. so I was wondering as a guy who's now written science fiction and horror, um, when you're world building, what percentage is kind of like what you speculate the future is going to be like and what percentage of that world building is oh i need to make this work into my story that's an interesting question um and some of the stuff i find that with science fiction in particular and maybe less so in fantasy because fantasy is kind of a different animal but with my science fiction i like to take trends I, I i sort of act like a politician you know how every politician every time some vote about a stop sign being put in is passed it's the worst thing that's or the greatest thing that's ever happened like it, it's like these really extreme assumptions about what can tend to be innocuous things mm-hmm. um so i like to do that and so like you said with the corporate culture um i looked at you know, I work a day job and I, I work a white collar job and, you know, I have to deal with the unions and, and deal with the um, 
the reasonable accommodations and this and that. And so I said, what will that be like in two or 300 years? Um, at what point do we, does it sort of circle back around and it's like the company store and you owe your soul to the company and the company essentially owns you. You're an employee, you're no longer a citizen. And, and some of that stuff uh, and like the healthcare stuff, um, there, there's a great through line with the hematophages about healthcare is just simply unobtainable because although the technology is there, it's so expensive. It's prohibitively expensive to basically anyone. Right. Um, and that's just how I see healthcare working. Like everyone's like, oh, America has the greatest healthcare system in the world. And I'm like, yeah, they could probably cure, you know, your fifth stage cancer if you're a billionaire. Right. You know, right. Uh, so I just kind of took that to an extreme. Um, there, I do, I guess that's interesting you brought that up. I do try to avoid stuff that like would help or hinder my characters in the world building. So I guess I, I never really thought about it in that way, but I guess I do, I would prefer to make sure that all of the world building is true to the world and not necessarily helpful or a hindrance to, you know, the story. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I'm I'm not throwing in like teleporters. I mean, you know, not that that's a good example, but I, like I'm not throwing in teleporter just because like, oh, I want to skip over this part of the story or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I, now that you mentioned that, I, I think I really do try and just make sure that everything at least makes sense or, you know, in my mind makes sense. Um, okay. Like, yeah, you, you brought up the thing about... Um, now I, I cannot claim credit for this. I wish I could. Oh God, I wish I could remember who the philosopher was. But uh, the thing about everyone being—it's called La Raza Cosmica. Um, yeah. The uh, the essentially everyone looks Brazilian. Right. Um, that's actually a, a theory, and I've mm-hmm. I've had people take me to task about that and be like, "Oh, well, that's never going to happen." I'm like, "No, it will." Yeah. I mean, eventually, what I mean, race is a construct, but. What we consider races, they're eventually going to all interbreed until everyone looks alike, right. you know. Um, so that was something I was just like, well, two, three hundred years from now, yeah, that's probably where we will be. Right. Yeah. Well, um, that kind of leads us to this one question that I feel like is in every single writer interview that I listen to or watch, where they okay. always ask you, are you a planner or are you a pantser? You kind of talked about the idea of you didn't want to sort of build in things to your story because you don't want to use this like a shortcut but when you're creating a i'm I'm assuming that when you're making a science fiction uh horror story that you're eager about creating the world but that you're also like well it has to be scary and it has to be gory so like in general are you a a planner or a pantser and how does that work when you're making the amount of ages i am a little bit in between um I was fully a pantser on Brain Eater Jones. Um, that basically, I, I did no planning on that. Uh, you know, that's not true. I did write down the rules of the of the world. So I at least said, Jones needs alcohol. You know, he can't. He, he has bad memory. So I wrote those down. But the entire story, I, I just went and saw where, where it went. Um, but more recently, I've become kind of a blend of the two. So I do like to do very thorough world building. 
Um, and I actually kind of prefer that. People sometimes ask me, why don't you ever do sequels? Because um, I kind of prefer that part, like taking a concept and being like, well, what are all the unexpected, you know, uh, consequences of zombies, you know, or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I really like to do that part. And then I will often, the plot itself, I'll like, I'll have an idea of where it's going, but basically I'll, you know, if the world building's strong enough, I can just be like, well, this is what's going to happen. And these are the things they're going to run into and they're going to have to deal with. So like with Hematophages, I had built out that there was a flesh world. There are pirates called skin wrappers. Um, you know, a couple of those points. And I was like, well, okay, now everything that happens in between here and there, like we've, it has just has to make sense with the world building. Um, and then essentially do pantsing on the plot. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's kind of a, kind of a good combo of both. Okay. Um, you mentioned the skin wrappers. I know that you have a novella uh, called skin wrapper mm -hmm. and um, Hematophages was re-released, right? More recently, and then Skin Wrapper was added on the back of it. That was yep. because it was re-released by an Italian company, right? Um, sort of. Uh, okay. So the whole story is, I wrote the Hematophages. It's a pretty self-contained story. Now, I I am expanding on the universe, the galaxy, and and some other stuff, but the story of the Hematophages is pretty self-contained. Um, and I sold it to this Italian company, Dunwich Edizione, which is like Dunwich, uh, publishing. Okay. Um, and they asked me for a short or a novella as a marketing tool. And if they had said short, I would have been like, yeah, sure. Here's whatever. But when they gave me that offer of a novella, I was like, Hmm, now that's interesting. What could I do with a novella? Sure. And I was like, well, the story of the hematophages, I don't want to spoil it, you know, by bringing it out of the book until I do, say, a proper sequel or prequel. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff I can say about skin wrappers. Skin wrappers are a known quantity. Mm -hmm. And even the like badass Rambo, you know, alien space marines, you know, they're all fucking terrified of the skin wrappers. So I was like, we didn't really find out why in the hematophage. We, I, I kind of did that little cheat where if you make the badass characters scared of something, it's a little scarier. And I was like, well, let's find out why they're all yeah, actually yeah. scared. So <laughs> I wrote that story. It got translated into Italian. So it was actually out in Italian before I released it in English. Oh, okay, okay. And then my old publishing company went under. They released the rights back. Talking to my new company, they were just like, you know, it's a re-release. You're not going to make that much money on the novella. We're, we're going to spend more putting a new cover and, and putting new editing into the novella. So let's just put them both under one cover. I definitely want everyone to go check out that book. If they are new to you and they're learning about your work, I want people to go check out the Pages and let us know what they think about it in the comments. But uh, besides that, um, I wanted to talk about Clickers Never Die. And so uh, with Clickers Never Die, that's your most recent book that you've published, right? Correct. Okay. And then that one is your second collaboration with Wiley Young. Um, the two of you worked on another book, which is called The Perfectly Fine House. Now that one I have not read. Uh, can you give me kind of a non-spoiler synopsis of that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's actually, uh, 
I can do that pretty easily because people pick that up at conventions. Okay. Um, so the Perfectly Fine House, it's a reverse haunted house story. And what it is, is it takes place in a world, an alternate reality, where ghosts are just accepted as normal. So you go to elementary school, you learn about the six senses. Um, you go home, you're looking for a contractor in the telephone book, and amongst them is exorcists. It's just, it's a very like spiritual haunting stuff. It's just another part of life. So like if you have a poltergeist, yeah, go go call somebody in the yellow pages. Go call an exorcist. Get them out here. Um, then the characters discover this house that's not haunted. Okay. <laughs> and the fact that there are no ghosts and ghosts cannot seem to come near or approach or pass through this house is a very terrifying prospect in in the universe. Oh. And uh, the reason why I got Wiley involved. Um, I'll take this aside real quick because I, I yeah. think it's kind of interesting. But I had that idea. And when I was trying to workshop it, like myself, uh, workshop's not the right word, but I was, guess I was just trying to brainstorm it myself. Right. I was like, there's two ways to do this. And the bullshit way, the easy way, is to have a bunch of jump scares and have the audience be scared because there's ghosts jumping at them and stuff. Sure. And I was like, but the problem is... In a world like that, nobody would, nobody, none of the characters would be scared of a ghost. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm like, I could do that, but it's a complete cop out. Right. And what I really wanted to do was find a way to make the characters terrified, and then the reader will be sucked in. And I was telling, I was sitting on the porch smoking a cigar or something with Wiley one day, and I said, yeah. I I've got this idea. I cannot workshop. I cannot figure it out. And the hurricane had just gone through Puerto Rico. And he said, well, that's what you do. You have there be an event that's like a catastrophic event that everyone is terrified conceptually that ghosts are going away. And then he just like went off for like 45 minutes and was like, here's how you scare the people inside the book. And I was like, Oh my God, let's write it together. You, you're the idea man on this one, apparently. That is awesome. And so is that the very first time you guys ever worked together on anything? Was that novel? Yeah. 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 And then you guys were friends. I mean, obviously from that experience, you guys are prior, you know, friends or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, working with him, I, you've worked on Clickers uh, Never Die. And I know that Brian Keene approached you guys and he essentially wanted you guys to reboot the franchise, right? Because uh, he had worked on it with uh, two other writers, Jesus Gonzalez and yeah. Mark Williams. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, I haven't read either of their works before, but um, I want to read the other Clickers books after reading yours. So my, my question to you is, um, when you and Wiley sat down and you're like, okay, we're, we're tasked with rebooting this horror franchise that other authors really look up to and really like did you make a list of like okay we have to include this we have to have this in the book yes yes okay we, we did um there were there were definitely some hallmarks to the clickers series so i want to say first of all for your audience uh, like pete did you can absolutely pick up clickers never die and, and have no issue it's it's supposed to be a clean reboot you don't need any knowledge of the past books but also if you're a big fan, 
picking up the fifth book in the series, you'll be satisfied because there's Easter eggs, there's callbacks, there's stuff like that. Okay. Um, but but we're not leaving any new readers like, well, you had to have read book two to get the reference. It's right. none of that stuff. Right. Um, but that being said, there were a bunch of things in the clickers books. There were even a couple that I forgot about that Wiley was like, oh, you didn't do this part. So like the one thing that springs to mind is um, before the clickers come, there's always this wave of sea life mm-hmm. that, that washes up on the shore with the implication being all the octopi and fish and stuff were so fucking terrified that they would rather beach themselves than, than endure the clickers. I had forgotten about that. Oh, okay. And Wiley was like, oh, yeah, yeah, here's that scene. Um, but there was like, in Clickers 2, they got very political. Um, okay. There was definitely a lot of stuff with, uh, it was, I mean, it was the Bush administration at the time. Right. Um, and they did a bunch of stuff about the crazy administration. And I was like, it's funny, we're kind of in the middle of a crazy administration right now. So I kind of brought some of that stuff back. But yeah, there were definitely like, we got to do A, we got to do B, we got to do C, or it's not a clicker's book. And we're not doing that, like, Return of the Living Dead 3 thing where we're like, it's in that universe, but we're taking it in another direction. We're like, no, it needs to be, yeah, absolutely. We had a list of things, yeah. So, you know, as someone who hasn't read those previous clicker's books, is there something that's in this book without spoiling it that's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is our stamp on clickers? Well, uh, it was never historical um that that was kind of the big thing we introduced oh like another thing that uh was in all the clickers books was the news clippings in the beginning yeah um in the beginning and the end which we did it sort of hint oh this has been going on in the past and it will be going on in the future blah 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 right um but basically the first one was either 1999 or 2000 and it was contemporary and then like i said the second one was 2004 or so you know, and it was it continued to be contemporary we said let's assume uh, it's a reboot so we can do whatever we want but right. let's assume clickers have been around since world war ii and well there were nuclear weapons in world war ii so maybe that's why all the evidence has disappeared for 60 years and and we came up with this historical so to speak clicker story yeah yeah well, with the two of you guys writing, it, it's funny because I've read Hematophages and then I've read this and then I've read from Wiley, I've read uh, The Magpie Coffin and Dust Bowl Children, right? Yeah. So I try to kind of figure out, okay, this sounds like Stephen's writing this part. This sounds like Wiley's writing this part. And I was thinking that for you, just based on like what I see you posted on Twitter and our interactions that like, I was thinking that you brought the humor and that Wiley would bring like the historical stuff. Because I've, I've interviewed Wiley too on this channel and his wife too. And um, I know that he's like a history guy. I'm guessing that you're a history guy too. Uh, but like, how, how did it break down? as like, who wrote what? That's a fair question, but there's also a lot of overlap. I mean, or I should say that's a fair analysis that you made in your question, but there's also a lot of overlap. Um, in, so just real quick, in Perfectly Fine House, no one should have any issues with that one. When you pick yeah. it up, it's literally chapter one is me chapter two is wiley and it continues like it's literally there's two viewpoint characters and unless you're very 
very um, ignorant to our writing styles, you could probably pick up real quick which is which. With the clickers, with any real like splattery horror, you need a lot more characters. So we said at the beginning, we're going to need like 10, 15 viewpoint characters. Yeah. Um, so I was talking about how it's World War II. We also have this um, kind of this James Cameron-esque, uh, you know, Titanic, like they're finding stuff in the present day uh, right. framing device. So I did all the present day stuff. I did the James Cameron guy. Um, all of that stuff was me. And then in the past, I took the, there was a Japanese officer who was a viewpoint character. I did him. Oh. And there was a castaway <clears throat> who was a, uh, a, a very, very popular character. The character yeah, yeah, yeah. Doodles. Oh, right, um, right, right. Yeah, I did Doodles. Okay. And all of the just straight up, there were like four or five Marine Corps, USMC Marine Corps characters. And Wiley did those chapters. Okay. So we had a pretty good breakdown. Uh-huh. Um, Wiley did the bulk of the writing because most of it is the Marine Corps guys. And you said you read Catfish or no? I have not read that one, no. Oh, okay. So, well, then this is not so much a spoiler, but uh, one of the characters from Wiley's Catfish in the Cradle, his great uncle, I think, is the hoodoo man in, oh, in the Marine Corps. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, so he did all the hoodoo stuff. Uh-huh. Um, uh, hoodoo is um, West Texas. Uh, it's Cajun magic. Right. Um, and then I, so he wrote the bulk of the book. He probably wrote 60, 65% of the book. Oh, wow. But I did go through and I edited everything hard um, because I was actually in the service um, so he, he, he was very good, but there were little things that he would do where I'd be like, I know why you had this Marine character say such and such, but no Marine worth his salt would ever say that. Huh. So I was just like, just a, a little bit of, of editing on, on his stuff. Is there something that you're always aiming for when you're trying to tell a story that's set in space, like the Mad of Ages, or when it's set in World War II? Like, like, because in both books, you really capture the feeling. Like, it, what, what do you need to put in place for your stories to make them feel real? So what I was talking about in that other interview, um, I find physical descriptions of characters to be boring as sin. Okay. It's not, I don't look at the world that way. I'm, I'm not, I, it's probably just my outlook on life, but like, oh my God, I will, like, I will see people bicker about like, oh, the little girl in the Hunger Games was a Native American and this character doesn't look like, th this actor doesn't look like this character. And I'm like, what the fuck are you people talking about? Who cares? <laughs> but they'll, but I, I get it. There, there are certain people that are really, um, physical in their thought processes and they're really worried about like oh this character had green eyes and then in the next scene you said he had blue eyes and i'm like who gives a sh like honestly <laughs> so like my default and it was something that my editor on on brain eater yelled at me about she was like you never once describe a shirt a couch uh, anything that anybody's wearing or you're just like they go to the place and they do the things and i'm like that's what's interesting about a book so I, I I do actively try to 
do a little bit of description and that sort of thing. And I remember the hematophage, like, this is the other thing. I'm always asking my girlfriend, like, what's a stiletto? What, like, what are, what's a blouse? You know, like, I, I don't know any of that stuff. So, like, in the hematophages, you'll notice that the, the fashion was for them all to wear jumpsuits. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Like, yeah. Uh, they all wore jumpsuits because that was the fashion at the time. Like, it made right. it really easy for me to remember. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's what I was talking about with, with the descriptor stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I with sci-fi's tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean horror horror is also tricky, but usually like people are willing to accept like even if you yeah I mean let's put the World War II thing aside, but if you're doing like a a, a contemporary horror novel, people are like okay, it takes place on on Earth and today it could happen to me. Um, science fiction is trickier because I have to bring you into that story. But another problem that I have with some science fiction is where they go really overboard on that. Yeah. So my what I always come back to when I'm doing the descriptions of stuff is, is this something that you and I, Pete, would be talking about? Okay. So, for instance, like we're we're both fully aware in fact we're probably not really physically aware of it but like i'm wearing a headset and i have a web camera and we have this software on this computer that connects us and also there's a internal combustion engine down the road that's running the power to our lines right 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 right. we've all gotten through a half hour of this interview and, and never felt the need to comment on any of that yes so when I see a science fiction character being like, well, as you know, Bob, we're going to hop into the hyperspace defense machine, which works like this because... Right. And I'm like, nobody talks like that, and nobody's worrying about that shit. And the only time that I think about how my car functions is when it breaks down. Right, right, right. So I, may, I make a concerted effort with my sci-fi yeah to pull back and hint at things and if i feel like it's something that the the audience really has to know i may make the car break down so to speak so that the people will look at it now there's there is one scene in hematophages that i to this day i'm still very ambivalent about Hmm. um now you mentioned the, the the cast is all female right and that was a deliberate choice from a storytelling perspective. It was a deliberate choice from a world building perspective. Um, and I really wanted to leave it uncommented upon because I wanted people to discuss why is he doing that. Yeah. Um, and I did put in a scene where they were discussing the hematophages and they were like, oh, look, this species still has males. How funny. Right. right. And I was, I was very much of two minds of that, but I was like, honestly in that reality of that world they would probably comment upon it they would probably be like how funny to see a male in the wild right and i'm, I'm a, i i regret that a little bit because i'm like it, it almost but i've definitely had people say i didn't notice it until that scene that every oh. character was female sure sure and then i've had other people that are like oh i i knew from page one like it's a badge of honor i don't know but, right right yeah. I feel like those people uh, that are like, I knew it from page one. Those are the people that 
are like, well, they had green eyes in the last chapter and they had blue eyes. Those kind of people, they're in the same yeah. camp. And they're those people that you mentioned in the other interview where there was someone that wrote a review and they complained about you not describing the hyperdrive on your book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. rest rest assured, guys, I have all the specs for the hyperdrive in my Bible. If it's really important to you, yeah, let me know. Tweet me <laughs> and I will explain it to you. But I didn't feel like any of the characters would care very much about it. Yeah. Because Brian Keane does this introduction at the beginning of the Clickers Never Die book. He mentions how um, they wanted to have four books for this reboot. And it, they wanted to sort of like, you know, mirror the original series of books. Do, do you know, like, are you and Wiley doing the next one? Or is it like going to be different authors every time? Yes, I know. And no, we are not. Um, we are prepared if called upon. Um, you're going to think I'm joking, but Wiley has a great, clickers versus mecha clickers pitch nice um and, and i'm not i'm not joking it, it is a good pitch but um no we th this was explained to us by brian um you guys are going to reboot it then you're going to walk away if a movie gets made you only make residuals on your characters uh, we're like oh yeah that's all going to happen but okay <laughs> right 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 um <laughs> but i believe i know Keen, I think Brian Keenan, Brian Smith are doing one. Oh. I believe Kenzie Jennings and Jeff Strand are doing one now. And that's the other thing. When I was talking before, I wasn't trying to like talk shit on the idea of going off on tangents, but I think they are doing some kind of a um, romance, like the Lake House or something th that's kind of off on its own. And oh. but then they find out clickers have invaded. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of stoked for that one. That's yeah. that's all I really know about that one. And um, I know Candace Nola. I I saw something about that. Involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably shouldn't name all these names because who knows, you know, who's actually been invited and who's going to be upset. But uh, let's just say um, that's a general idea of the kind of people that you know I'm expecting to take this baton and run with it. That is awesome. Okay. Yeah, very cool. I mean, I'm excited. I think I probably will go back and just read the originals first before moving on with the series, too. Um, but, you know, it's funny. You mentioned a whole bunch of authors just now. And in the book, you know, in Clickers Never Die, there's a whole bunch of author name dropping just as characters, too. Like you have like uh, Jay Wilburn, West Southard, West Southard, Lucas uh, Mangum. Uh, I always think I'm going to say his name wrong. That's why I said it real weird like that. But yeah. um I mean, you have, you have a ton, right? And so I was wondering, I, I don't know these people personally, but I know that you do, or in some cases, some of them are deceased too. Like when you're writing their names in the book, is it just like, oh, this person's name, I'm going to put it in here? Or is it like you're imagining that person as this character? Uh, both, both. Okay. Um, a lot of times if it's a throwaway, if it is a throwaway character, um, I'll just be like, okay, it's going to be Wes. Um, I actually just did a, I, I think, I forget if I mentioned this last week, but I'm working on the Black Magpie versus the Thematophages. You did mention that. Yes, yes. Um, so I did a chapter and it was just this out of left field chapter. It was a, that one's a Civil War one. And it was this Union ironclad. And I was just like, none of these characters have been seen before or are going to be seen again. So I just picked every famous British horror author. Oh. <laughs> so it was just like 
Commander Adam Neville and Captain Matt Shaw and, uh, uh, um, you know, Jack Bantry is the midshipman, you know, like that. Um, so sometimes we'll just do that. Uh, and other times, I'd never say I'm like inserting that character, but Clickers is a good example. And Jay Wilburn, sadly, uh, gone too soon. But that's Jay. That was my interpretation of, of how Jay would talk to me and yeah. talk me down if I was in that case. And um, uh, Armand Rosamilia and uh, Frank Edler are in that as well as kind of oh. the more, um, uh, not evil, but like a little, a little bit more antagonistic oceanographers. Mm-hmm. And I think I mentioned something about like, Rosamilia finally came back from the baseball park with a hot dog or something. I was like, that, that was just a little, you know, because Armand loves baseball and hot dogs and everything. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I was actually thinking about inviting him onto the Lasser cast at one point. I Just a little thing about Jay Wilburn real quick is that um, I met him at the Ghoulish Book Festival, oh, okay. uh, you know, uh, in March, right? And uh, he was really nice. And, I, and he was really awesome on this one panel that I saw him on. And then, um, I, you know, I bought one of his books and I, I had a whole bunch of books to go through. And I always get updates of like people I could potentially interview. And so I just kind of put his book on the back burner, you know, and I'm like, oh, you know, I want to get around to interviewing him. And then I found out that he died and um, it just it just really sucked because he seemed like a really cool guy. And he seemed like a lot of horror writers really appreciated him. Um, he did this one thing that i thought was unique and i wondered if maybe you knew about this or if like you uh know anyone else that does this but like he would go on twitch and like live stream his writing like have you ever seen him do that or know anyone that does that uh he was the one who was pioneering it um i don't know i i don't think anybody else has picked it up or picked up the baton or anything Um, yeah but he just seemed like a real cool guy. And, and so I was thinking, yeah. you know, maybe, you know, even though I didn't get a chance to interview him, I might still read some of his works and then like interview, you know, yeah. uh, you said the guy that co-wrote with him is, is what was his name again? Armand. Uh, Armand. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. maybe I might reach out to him and see if he might want to come on too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jay, Jay was Mr. Rogers. That's who I compare him to both in the sense that, um, you know, they, they were gentle, um, thoughtful people, but also in the way that um, society kind of recognized there's not a lot of gentle, thoughtful people. And, and I think that, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think Jay would ever believe, I'm kind of getting upset talking about it right now, but. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's, it's not you. I brought it up, I think, but um, the. I think he would be shocked at what his loss, what a loss losing him really was to the community. Um, but yeah, he was, he was our Fred Rogers. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, when we bring this up to a, a close, I usually have the writer kind of plug where people can find you. And um, if you have something that's coming out soon too, if you want to plug that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, as we discussed earlier, if you can spell it right, you can probably find me. Um, I'm on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, all those places. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, follow me. I have a business page on Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. Really, I, I, like I'm, I'm saying it jokingly, but really, if you look up Kazanuski in any of these places, 
it's probably me. Um, yeah, Clickers Never Die was the last book that I did that came out. Um, I, I'm not sure what the next one by me is going to be, but I did open, I have started publishing um, works by others uh, just this past year. Um, so like I did uh, Your Mind by Summer Cannon, that's out now. And the next thing that I know of 100% coming up in March is going to be uh, Illusions of Isolation by Brennan LaFaro. Uh, that's oh. going to be coming out. That's that's a short story collection coming out under my imprint. Um, so that's coming soon. Oh, that is cool. I didn't know like you were like connected to him at all. That's because he's another guy that I want to get on here eventually. Uh, I've talked to him. And, uh, you know, he, he has given me copies of like Noose and uh, Slattery yep. Falls, right? That's, yep. am I getting, I always feel like I'm saying the title of uh, Alan Baxter's book because his he's got a title that's similar to his, but Slattery Falls is his? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's cool. He's on that Dead Headspace show too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're not connected. He was, uh, I don't think I ever met him before. He was a cold, uh, cold query, but his work was so good. We picked oh, up. okay. Yeah, yeah. I started I started news uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then I got sidetracked. But the the opening of that was freaking great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, Western stuff, yeah, just yeah. like Wiley, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. My uh, acquisitions editor. I, I didn't think we, we opened for a three day period in September. Yeah, and I didn't think we were going to take anything. I just opened just to be, you know forthright and be like yeah we're, if we're a publishing company we need to open sometimes <laughs> my my acquisitions editor was like read this story in brennan's book and i was like well fuck we got to sign him wow yeah so what what is the can you give us some more details in your imprint then too yeah yeah it's uh it's french press um uh i think it's frenchpresspub.blogspot.com okay um it we are okay so like i said we did your mind by summer cannon that's out now audiobook is coming out in january we're doing the collection from lafaro and we are working on a perfectly fine anthology oh cool <laughs> so that was fully kickstarted more than more than fully kickstarted yeah um so we have some invited people we have brian Keane. Jeff Strand, Candace Nola, Kaylee Edwards, myself, and Wiley, we're all contributing stories. And then we're going to open up to cold submissions uh, kind of any day now. I I, I really just need to get it up on the website. But yeah, if if you're interested in doing a story in that world I just described about Perfectly Fine House, write a short get it ready, polish it. Um, we will be open probably till March, April. I'm going to, I'm going to leave a nice window for that one, but yeah, we've, we've, we've got to fill out the rest of the anthology. We've only got like seven stories, six or seven stories. Yeah. The rest, yeah. The rest is going to be by cold, cold, uh, query. So that is so cool. Okay. Well, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that you're talking about like setting something in that world. Right. And then you were talking about clickers before, Mm-hmm. For me, I really got into horror around COVID time, right? Because I just, I really liked the horror community and everyone seemed so nice and fun and everything was virtual, right? Yeah. Um, 
but before I was like much more of like a comic guy, fantasy guy, science fiction. And what I'm learning from like looking into your stuff and, and Brian Keene stuff. And I guess like the idea of like, you know, um, Wiley having magpie spinoffs and sequels and stuff yeah. is that like, you guys are like literally making worlds that people can play in and it's hard. And I just think that that's so cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're definitely crossing all kinds of borders there. Like, yeah, I was always a sci-fi guy. I was always Star Trek, Star Wars coming up. Right. Went to a few sci-fi conventions. They're all fucking assholes. I exactly. I hate them. Um, I actually had a really great time talking to you. I was really happy to be on your channel for Publish Like a Motherfucker. If people haven't seen that video, they should look you up on YouTube and uh, find that whole series. Um, I am going to check out uh you know your other books after this too but i'm probably gonna go through clickers first um but yeah if you ever want to come back on the channel i would love to talk to you again on here great thanks man awesome all right well so then uh yeah that's it and uh i guess we'll see you guys next time